What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. It's been so long since we've put a new We're shit house at it. We're so bad at it. <laughs> Our four sponsors. <laughs> We're so bad at it, and we want to get better going forward. Yes. But here's a quick a ad, <laughs> and then... We're going to be better at this. Okay. We're going to be better. Yeah. I promise we're going to be better. Yeah. Except for the buffet. Yeah. Fucking Einzawina. <laughs> Tell us about Einzawina. He's been, he's been in it from the start. If you want a tug, a ball, a slip leash. A slip lead. You know, really, no joke, his slip leads are the best slip leads. They are great slip leads. They are the best. They're handmade. They're hand loved. Yeah. Do you know, there's times where I look at material when we're actually buying things for our businesses and some of them are just shit house. Yeah. Like they're so mass produced. Jason takes his time. He puts them together properly. Like if you're listening, chances are you're in the industry, you're in the business, you need a lot of leashes, you sell them to clients, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Decade staff. The best thing about the Einzawina leashes is that he custom makes them. He so does. you can get whatever you want, whatever yeah, color, whatever length. Too. Like he's a Put a handle on it, no handle on it, whatever. I'm, yeah. I had him make that handler pack for me because I got sick of people turning out with shit leashes. Now everyone I train with uses all these perfect leashes. Yeah. So get some stuff from the Einzawina. He's been supporting us from the start. We love him. We hate him sometimes. Make sure you're telling me he's a bullfed. Yeah. Yep. Canonceuticals. Going great. Thank you, people in the United States who prioritize your dog's health through yeah. supplementation. I am a walking testimonial for Canaceuticals because if you go back, you hear 18 months ago, I was like, yeah, pretty sure my dog's going to die any minute because he was so unwell mm. and got him on the subs and he's actually in the best shape he's been in in ages. Narelle's always maintained if it never worked, she'd burn it to the ground. She's just got too much pride and too much neuroticism not to <laughs> not to put something to market that she didn't believe in. And the wonderful thing about it is it's working well. The testimonials have been amazing mm. and very heartfelt. Like she gets people who are so agitated and depressed and distressed about the health and the well-being of their dogs. Narelle makes no outrageous claims. Mm -hmm. She's never said that it's the one thing that does everything for dogs. She just says it's going to help you. Mm -hmm. By law, she's not allowed to make those claims, but she wouldn't want to anyway. But what she does tell people is it's definitely going to do better for your dog. Yeah, We watch our own dogs. Opie, who's got more things than you could poke a stick wrong with him, he probably wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't through Narelle's treatment, through good supplementation, changing diets, all those sort of things. I could talk about it forever. I don't want to make this sound like a buy sales pitch. I'm a fan of it because I know if it works. If it didn't, I wouldn't. Well, it's an ad. It's an ad. But, but I wouldn't disgrace myself by talking about something that didn't work. I'd be the same with her. I'd just say burn it to the ground. I don't want to know about it. Yeah. Let's work through our sponsored list. Yes. These are the people that sponsor us and we love them for it and we're plugging their business. Yes. First on our list here is Daniel, who we don't know how to say is Tropiano. Tropino. I thought we Trop just called him Troppy Daniel. Troppy Daniel. Troppy Daniel. Dog Club, South Australia. Yep. Awesome train facility. Representing South Australia, it's great to see that a yep. state that's usually sleepy and not just hoping some hosting some cool events there. Yeah. Yeah, good on you, Daniel. Well done. George Kittridge. Rowdy Hound. Yeah. It's fucking cool. It's a box for your dog that goes on your motorbike. The only one that I know of. Yeah. It's the coolest product it's not ever. in Australia yet, so hopefully one day we, we can talk to Horny George about getting some Rowdy Hound dog boxes in here. He does training videos. He shows people how to train their dogs to get into the Rowdy Hound. He's a dog trainer himself. He's in the biz. Yep. Barbara DeGroote. 
from the heart dog training. That's her. Our sugar mama. Yeah. She's so good. I love she asks nothing in return. <laughs> she just plasters with love and money. She's very encouraging all the time. Thank you, Barbara. She's a roddy lady. So what would you expect? Yep. Taylor Canines. We don't know much about Taylor Canines. I just turned up one day and said, hey, we just want to throw some money at you, but they offer a complete range of canine training services. Yep, Taylor Canines. Where are they? They're in Canada, right? They're in Canada. Yeah. So, so we've got a couple of Canadians. We've got a couple of Americans. We've got a couple of Aussies. Good eclectic mix. We haven't got anyone from Europe. Fucking hell. <laughs> up your game. But we don't, can't take any more sponsors. So uh, we're, <laughs> we're, about, we're bad about, enough at what, what about Birdie? Birdie O'Shea. Oh, yeah. So we are plugging as well. Birdie was on for us last week and yeah. then told us about her webinar thing that she's got going on for yep. people in the, the Magic of Dogs. Magic of Dogs. So head to birdieoshetty.com, I think is her website, yep. and you can check that out there. All the sponsors, trust us. We're getting better at the ads. I promise you. Yep. Next, we're, we're going to be in touch with you and we're going to get better at it. We're going to take it more seriously. We're just shit at it because we've got other stuff. And this is just an extra that we like to do. We thank you very much but for But we your both support. spanked each other. Pat spanked yeah. me and then I spanked him. And yeah, we need to we, get better at this. Yeah, we do. We were going to leave it another week of the existing ad and thought, no, we can't possibly. We're actually no, together no, it, for the first time. Yep. That's what's been holding us back is that we haven't been together. Yeah. I yeah. missed you. I missed you too. All right, that's it. Here's the show. Bye. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in the studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. We have had a slew of amazing people on lately. We've been spoiled for people doing interviews. We have. It's been one after the other. I've been absolutely thrilled with the presentations that everyone's put forward. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, isn't it? But it's just us today. Just us. So you have to put up with our cackling voices. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk about dog bites. Yeah. Why? It's an important topic to talk about. There are a couple of reasons why I think we really should get into the minutiae of dog bites in the contrast that I'm heavily involved in the running of boarding kennels, as you know, you know, stranger to that, you've been a part of this for how long have we known each other for? Seven years or something like that? Eight years. Eight years. And you've been here at least once a week, at least. Mm -hmm. You kind of see how our operation runs. We've got a lot of people that come through the door. We've got young staff, we've got experienced staff, we've got very new staff, we've got people who are dog trainers, we've got people who are fantastic at daycare, we've got people who are groomers. And this is an industry where 99% of the time nothing will happen. But that's not the issue. The issue is the 1% of the time that Mm -hmm. does happen. At one stage we had Andrew Clark working here. Andrew's been involved in doing safe handling techniques with local councils. He's been doing it for pet care professionals as well. One of the reasons why people do turn up to those is because they're not like you and me and other people who have been decoys or are decoys or have been involved in teaching dogs for law enforcement. There are people who teach it for sport and there are people who accidentally teach their dogs to bite. There's a whole whole range of reasons why dogs do it. Mainly for us, it's a safe procedure. You know, the dogs enjoy it. They also know what they're supposed to bite as well. They're not interested in making this a civil sport. They're mainly interested in working with some form of equipment. Mm -hmm. Usually the arousal with the dogs that we're training doesn't mean they won't. It just means that usually the arousal is through equipment. Mm -hmm. A lot of the dogs through sport are focused on equipment. They've been playing with tugs and flirt poles and all sorts of things as they're developing as puppies. Then they're going on to wedges. Then they're going on to softer sleeves. 
then they're potentially moving on to suits or staying on harder sleeves and so forth, depending on the discipline, what you're doing. But when we're teaching dogs like that, as you're aware, this is a vocation. The dogs love it. They're mm-hmm. very interested in it. It's a very safe sport. I mean, I've been involved in it for so many years now and rarely have I seen decoys getting taken out or tagged or badly bitten by dogs because A, the people that I know and the people that I've watched and the people that I've been raised with and the people that I've actually been involved in training myself are ethical people. They do good jobs. They're not interested in being stupid or doing stupid things or taking ridiculous risks. They mitigate their risks. They're safe with the people that they're working with. They develop the dogs well. We have good standards, good policies and procedures. Even if it's not written down, it's still verbalized amongst everybody. Hey, this is what you do before we bring the dogs out. Let's not make this a minestrone of disaster. Let's make sure that when we do bring the dogs out and before that happens, this is what your responsibility is and this is what my responsibility is. And for me to make sure that I can continue to do this job or this vocation and then also go to my day job and then go home to my family, I need to make sure that these practices are in place. Now, the difficulty is, and where most people get bitten, is not through sporting endeavors like that. It's by random dogs in random situations. Yeah. So for groomers and for people working in daycare facilities and people working in kennels or people working even in veterinary situations, we're dealing with dogs that sometimes we don't know them at all. Sometimes we do know them and sometimes the dogs are in distress or in pain. In situations when people hear that, they're thinking, well, why would a dog be in pain? Let me relate that more to a veterinary situation. Mm-hmm. If a dog goes in a clinic, you don't know what's happened to that dog, but pain changes personality. I know that when I'm in pain, severe pain, my personality changes. I had this bladder thing the other day where I actually had a stone And I didn't know what it was. And I went through all these tests. But while the tests were going on, I was in absolute agony. It was two weeks of very, very intense pain. And it got worse and worse and worse. I remember being in a meeting at work and my staff said to me at one stage, hey, man, is everything okay? Like the look on your face, it's very intense. Like you've got this very intense thousand yard stare. And I said, I'm in so much pain. I can't think about it right now. I have to focus on other things not to fucking scream. Mm-hmm. Like that's how much pain I'm in. And even when I went to my doctor, my do- I was talking to my doctor and I said, dude, I'm at the stage where I'm thinking about going to hospital. It's that bad. And he said, yeah, I can see things are going on. And he said, unfortunately, I can't offer you immediate relief, but what we're going to do is a battery of immediate tests that mm-hmm. we can start getting things on. Happened that like literally the day after I went to see him, I passed the stone. And that was a painful experience yeah. in itself. But my demeanor when I was in that much pain, there were things and thoughts surfacing in my head that are kept at bay and are kept locked down in a deep part of my soul. But because I was in so much pain, your personality starts to change. Disciplines that you have in place to stop certain actions and certain behaviors from coming out, the thought processes start coming back out again because you're panicking and you're starting to get to a point where you're frantic. So People are somewhat ridiculous about this when it happens with animals because they don't realize that's what's happened until they can correlate it into how it personally affects them. So they don't really think about it. They don't put too much thought or processes into it. They just say, oh, this bloody animal has bit me or this situation has happened. Now, that's not always the case. It's not always pain-related. I'm just talking about pain-related in certain situations. I remember years ago, years and years ago, and this is before I even became a dog trainer, 
I saw a dog get hit by a car and the dog, it was trying to run across the road. It bounced off the bonnet of a car. It was on the road. It was clearly in pain. A lady came out and she went to throw a blanket over the dog and the dog nailed her on the arm. Mm. She was freaking out. I was there. This was just a catalytic effect of bad things happening all at one time. I was doing first aid on her while that was happening. Somebody else was then attending to the dog. They came over to pick up the dog. I said, hang on, before you pick up that dog, it's in a lot of pain. The lady here just got bitten by the dog and then they're going, oh, my God. So we kind of had to let things unfold. Eventually, I helped a guy come. We threw, you know, like a bigger blanket over the top of the dog. It was biting into the blanket. We managed to get the dog in the car and he took it to the vet. Mm -hmm. But the lady was sitting on the side of the road. She went into shock. She got bitten quite badly. So we had to wait for an ambulance to come and get her. And, you know, I was talking to her while that happened. She goes, oh, what happened? I said, you got bitten by the dog. And she goes, oh, but I was trying to do the right thing by it. And I said, yeah, but he just got hit by a car. And I said, I'm pretty sure something's broken and he's in a lot of pain. So he probably didn't think anything of it. Now, that's before I knew anything really solid about behavior, Mm. really before I was in a position to give good advice. But being sensible about a situation and being able to look from the outside in, I could see that this is probably not the normal standard type of behavior from the dog. But then again, I don't know that dog. I never saw that dog in my life. All I was trying to do was being a good Samaritan and helping those sort of situations. There are people who work in veterinary clinics who see this every single day. They've got people that are coming in. The owner is frustrated, in shock, panicked, possibly even aggressive with you know, like trying to bully their way into getting their dog seen and treated because it's something that's intimately special to them. Like they have a massive relationship with this dog. For them, their whole world is basically caving in around them because their dog's in a distressed state at that point in time. So that can be another issue that people aren't ready for is why did this person just come in to my waiting room and literally attack me when all I'm here is to try and serve and help and mm. coordinate getting the dog in to see a vet and this person is literally losing their mind because they're so distressed about something that's outside their control and they're coming to you to say, you need to control this for me and you're saying, well, hang on, I need to coordinate this. Yeah. We need to make this happen. Doctors go through it all the time. Waiting rooms go through it all the time. There are people you know, yelling and screaming, so much so with COVID that you see a lot of these notices saying we will not tolerate aggressive behavior from people. It just seems to be like something that spiraled out during that time. Well, I think any form of tension can for sure result in aggression and in all animals, right? Like it's that heightened state of awareness. Mm. I got the worst bite I've ever had. (laughs) I'm sure I've told the story. It was from fucking Jack Russell and he savaged me. He tore my hand up. And that dog was running away from its owner. So I was driving down the street. It was a long time ago. I was into dogs, but thinking of the car that I had, it was pre most things I was in dogs with. Like I I had dogs at the time, but I didn't certainly didn't know what I know now. So I'm driving down the street and this little Jack Russell, or maybe it was a Foxy or maybe it was a cross. I don't know. Like it was a little ratting dog, you know? And he goes running across the street in front of me to the point where I nearly hit him. And I'm like slamming on the brakes and he's, I know this is, you're going to be happy to hear this. He's trailing a phylaxy lead, right? So (laughs) so this fucking dog for sure thinks he's being chased by this flexi leash that he's panicking running away from. So I slam on the brakes and miss him. And the street that 
I nearly hit him on was parallel adjacent to a much busier street that he's then headed towards. So I look and the owner or whoever it was that's chasing this dog is maybe a hundred meters away and she's not moving very fast and doesn't look like she's going to be capable of catching the dog before it gets the thing. So I'm in that moment of like, oh fuck, like this is, this is me now. (laughs) I get to choose to do nothing and for sure that dog's going to get run over or I have to try and deal with this fucking situation. So I go running after this dog and the flexi is bouncing all over the place, you know, because it's like locked and it's maybe... Uh, at least half the length of the flexi is so it's like erratically hitting the ground and bouncing and flinging all over the place and looks terrifying to the dog, no doubt. So I think I'm not going to be able to catch that. So I run past it, past the dog and try and like stop him before he gets onto this other road. It was like through a, a, not an alleyway, but like a walkway through a school because they were coming out of a park, going through a school where he was going to hit this busier road on the other side. And I realized he ain't stopping. He's in full panic. So I think I'm going to have to like physically stop this dog. And I put my hand out to stop him and this motherfucker just attaches himself (laughs) to my hand, right? Like full and he is typewritering all over my hand because he's trying to get away. And I'm then like in my head, I'm like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. Like I've taken the bite. If I let this dog get run over now, it's for nothing. So I have to continue getting bit. And in the end, I ended up grabbing his whole bottom jaw because I'm trying to like deal with getting my hand out of his mouth, but he, this is all happening in an instant. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, how do you mitigate that in that moment? Yeah. And because he's like typewritering my hand, I'm thinking eventually he's going to hit something that matters at this point, right? Like I'm lucky at this point, my hand's still working. So I'm like, nah, that's your last bite, motherfucker. <laughs> I just grabbed his whole bottom jaw with my hand and then he's still (laughs) attempting with the top leg. So basically I kind of locked his canines into my palm. So it was like, no, you get one bite. This is full mouth grip. And then he's still with the top half of his head, just like typewritering as much as he can into the top of my hand. As I'm then trying to get his collar, which is way too big for him and is not any of any help for me. And there's no way I can really do this. And I don't know what I'm doing at this point. This is, a, you know, this is ages ago as this woman arrives and she's madly apologizing to me. And I'm like, take the dog. Stop. <laughs> stop. Stop apologizing. Help me yeah. by taking your dog off of me. And she's like, oh, he got out of my hands and blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I, don't, I don't care about the situation. <laughs> I can't even remember the details of how I end up doing the handover of this dog that I am in the mouth of back to her. And then I look at my hand and it's gross, right? Like, I think I still have photos of this. I think I might've even put the photos online. I might've put the photos on Facebook. I can't remember because it was on my birthday. And I remember thinking to myself, fucking happy birthday to me. And my hand was a mess. And you know, when like the fat is like oozing out of the bite hole. I've seen it happen to myself. Yeah. And you're looking at it and you're like, but the worst thing, and this is where we said, we're going to talk about dog bites. I had the feeling and I've had it every time I've had the feeling, every time I've been bitten, I get the same feeling. I had it a couple of times when I was doing stuff overseas. I've been in a couple of wild situations is where you know you're hurt, but you don't know how bad yet. Yep. And to me, that is the most aversive experience on the planet. Like if there's a panel of buttons and you can hit any button and it's going to make you feel any certain way, but you don't know what they are. 
If I hit that one, that's the worst. That's the most aversive situation I can put myself in. Maybe it's because of experiences that I've had and the outcomes that have come of it. I don't know. Or maybe it's just natural to me. Or maybe it's natural to all people. I don't know. But you know that feeling when you know you're hurt, but you don't know how bad you're hurt. Yep. And that's what I had as this fucking dog is biting my whole hand and I've just locked onto it. I'm like, okay. I know this is going to be bad. I have to mitigate how bad this gets, but I don't know how bad it is yet. And I remember as I like handed the dog back to her and I'm walking back to the car, I'm like, okay, this isn't too bad, you know? And you're sort of calming down as I'm like, I'm bleeding all over the place and there's fat oozing out of my hand. And I know this is going to need stitches that I can't get because it's a dog bite. And this is going to be, you know, a month of not being able to wipe my ass properly. (laughs) It's my right hand. These are all the things that are going through, but I'm like, I'm going to be okay. I'm not losing any of this. My biggest risk now is an infection. And I went straight to a medical center and had it all sorted out. It was no big deal. Mm. But it's that every time I've ever been bitten, it's that. It's that feeling of like, okay, I know something bad has happened to me. I still have to finish this situation. Like I, I don't get to even pay attention to how badly hurt I am right now, but I know I'm hurt and I'm going to have to deal with that later, but I have to right now get myself through this situation. To me, there's no worse feeling on the planet than that. That's the worst that there possibly is. And I've gotten it every time I've been bitten because while you're being bitten, you're like, well, I have to deal with this. I don't get to pay attention to my bite because there's still a dog trying to bite me somewhere else or attached to me somewhere else. Mm. And so you get that like, okay, this has to wait. I have to deal with this situation and then come back to it. And that moment in time, that space between knowing you've been bitten and knowing how bad it is, is to me torture. It sounds very much like the concept that Sun Tzu says that fear of death is worse than death itself. Mm. The other wonderful thing that your body does is prepare you for those sort of situations when you do go into a sudden state of shock where you're also raging with cortisol and adrenaline. So it gives you a partial blocking of the pain. The worst is the next day by Mm. far. Like when everything starts scabbing up and your body is depleted of all of those nice chemicals that you, you just injected into yourself. Like once all that's gone and washed out of your system and you're dealing with the aftermath of the next day and all the bruising comes through, that's terrible when Mm. you're dealing with bites depending on the severity of the bite, but all of those sort of things go on. I remember years ago working on a security job and everybody who worked in the industry at some stage has had old mate come up and tell you that your dog's not going to save you and they're going to grab your dog by the front legs and pull their legs open and yeah. kick your dog in the Terry's like, rib apart. Terry him apart and you'll all die instantly. Things, all of those things. <laughs> you always get those stories that are on there. I remember I was on the job one. It could have been me. It could have been somebody else. We'll just say it was somebody else for the sake of the story. But there was a guy that came on the job, and this was in the great old days where when people put themselves in these situations, it was easier for the law to sort of say, well, you're a fuckwit, that's what happens to you for doing those sort of things. Not so much now. You don't get the same liberty afforded to you. Like pieces of shit seem to get away with things more than ever where they didn't before. But I've been in those sort of situations where people have said to me, if you let your dog out, I'm just going to kick it in the ribs, I'm going to kick it in the balls, I'm going to grab its legs and pull it apart and do all those sort of things. Never in any of those situations where it's eventuated in a bite have I seen that person, A, do any of those sort of things, but also who they become after the dog is actually on them. (laughs) It's almost like they leave their body for a second. The shock and the look on their face. I remember looking at a guy in the eyes while Harley bit him one night. Not that I was prompting it to happen. I was trying to control the situation and trying to de-escalate him. 
But he came in, he was quite aggressive, he was throwing spinning back kicks and everything, and Harley caught him by the back of the leg. And he spun around, he just looked at me, it was like he turned into a child, mm. you know, instantly turned into a child. There was no more power or control on this guy anymore. He was completely powerless. He basically, his soul just left his body right there and then. Harley was great. He was really good at doing outs, whether it was just simulated through a suit or even when it was live. He was really good at letting go of people. If I said to him, let go, he'd let go. He sat there and he sat there on the ground. He goes, oh, fuck, he really got me, didn't he? And I said, yeah, mate, he really got you. And he goes, oh, God, I guess I had that coming. <laughs> and and he was bleeding, like he was bleeding quite badly. And I had to instruct people to come out and do first aid on him and all sorts of things because he was bleeding out on the, not bleeding out, but he was bleeding profusely on the ground at the time. And he was like having a calm conversation with me. The person that he was seconds before wasn't the person that he was after that happened. It was like everything that created that perfect storm for him to become that aggressive and then trying to funnel it onto me left him, like completely left him. And then he'd sort of realized what happened. He came down and he started screaming and yelling and he realized the the impact of what was going on. Same sort of thing, you know, like the adrenaline kicked in at one stage and then it wore off. And by the time the ambulance got there, he was in quite a bit of pain. Mm. But fuck him, he caused that himself. Yeah, yeah. Like he literally chased me into a corner and and the dog did his job. Everybody who investigated it said the dog did his job. All the people who were witnessing said the dog did his job. The guy was assaulting. He was attacking. I was de-escalating. They saw my hands up. They heard me saying, do all the right things. I know I'm justifying something that happened a long time ago and has already been cleared and so forth, but the interesting thing was how he behaved after the bite happened. And I've watched lots of people being involved in bites before. I've seen people that have gotten too close during agitation when they we've done agitation, civil agitation without sleeves or without devices and people have got their fingers in the dog's mouth and the dog has closed down on them or when people have just accidents have happened in training over the years, when you're doing these sort of things, it's an occupation. Same for me when I was an electrician, eventually you're going to get zapped. Mm. There is no way of avoiding that. You know, I got zapped the other day. I was out pressure washing a light and I went to turn it on and I got a tingle off the light. Mm. Narelle came out and I said, Hey, don't touch that light. It's got direct power to it. We had to properly dry it off. Resolved. It's not a problem, but those sort of things are going to happen from time to time. More to the point of what I want to raise and talk about this is how do people deal with these sort of things when they're not as experienced as us? And the first time I ever got bitten by a dog, I wasn't as experienced as what I am now. And it's not to say that I am so experienced in getting bitten that I know exactly what to do because each bite is its own individual circumstance. Mm. Some are very superficial. Some don't even break skin. I've been bitten by dogs multiple times here that just trying to move them around. Some are play. It's just a dog coming by and they'll come and give you a cheeky little nip. Some are dogs warning you and it's like a quick flash where the dog will go cham like that and it will just be literally a graze, if that. Other ones, dogs have put their teeth into my flesh mm. or my staff's flesh, you know, like things have happened. Now, sometimes when I look back at the situation, I just think that's what I call a second issue. Like if it was one second before or one second after, I probably wouldn't got bitten by the dog. Yeah. Or the person wouldn't have got bitten by the dog. But it's just sometimes it's just the perfect storm. Everything aligned at the right moment for all the wrong reasons and the bite took place. So how do people keep themselves safe in those sort of situations? The answer to that is read the situation a little bit better. 
if you're around animals and you can see that there is a bit of distress there, like don't take that so lightly. Don't be so cavalier about it. There are times where you really need to address the situation and think to yourself, what is this dog feeling right now? You know, like, and when we start, especially for people who are working in places where you've got to put your dogs into kennels or crates or anything like that. So vets do it, we do it, daycare people have to do it like moving dogs around, putting them in and out, doing transport. It's like the business end of a rifle. The business end of a rifle, there's only one place that a projectile can come out and do damage to you. But that doesn't mean that there can be a malfunction with the rifle and there can be other reasons why you can get damaged by it. Again, 99.9% of the time, the business end of the rifle is where the projectile is going to come out of. And if you're not paying attention, you can get hurt or worse. Somebody can get hurt or worse. You can damage property. There's a whole bunch of things that can happen if you're not paying attention and someone pulls that trigger. It's usually a mechanical thing that somebody's going to do. But with a dog, it's not about us creating the operation. The dog's thinking and feeling at the same time. Mm. So we've got to be mindful and we've got to be thinking about this sort of situation. We've got to mitigate the risk as much as we possibly can. Does this behavior look normal to me? If you don't know the answer to that, then you really need to be speaking to a supervisor, a trainer, anybody who's got more experience than you in those sort of situations. This is where good training should come into place in workplaces as well. The ability to have training, have the provisions of training, have conversations with staff, have meetings with staff, even if you're training centers, like if you're doing sports work and so forth, what happens if a bite takes place? What do you do about it? How should you treat the situation? What procedures do you have in place to reduce the impact that it has on, you know, like if a dog to dog or dog to other animal or dog to human, like what do you do? What processes are in place? I think those are really important conversations for people to have in workplaces. I think that you shouldn't brush over this because it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, it's a matter of when it's going to happen. Mm. The old saying, dogs bite, horses kick and cats scratch. And that's a very true statement. Anybody who's been working with horses long enough have been hurt by their horse. I don't know anybody that's been riding long-term that doesn't have an injury from the horse where the horses stepped on their foot, where the horses kicked them off, where the horses even bit them themselves. You and I have both watched Buck, the mm-hmm. movie Buck, where one of his trainers gets savaged on the head by mm. a out-of-control horse that's been spoiled rotten and all of the terrible behaviours have been overlooked and it literally scalped him from biting him in the back of the head. Like I didn't realise that horses could be so aggressive and they mm. could do things like that. Those sort of things aren't discussed. People don't talk about them. You kind of don't want that to be a part of the known conversation of this is a true risk that can happen to you. Kids bite each other in daycare. You know, I think your kid bit someone, didn't they, or got bitten by, kept getting bitten by a kid? (laughs) I don't know, probably. There have been multiple cases where friends and colleagues have had kids at daycares where their kids have been bitten by other kids or their kids bitten another kid. Yeah, well, kids, kids, when they figure, because like the problem with biting, doesn't matter what species you are, it fucking hurts. It's a super okay. effective technique. Well, you've got these blunt objects yeah. that are creating- Designed to tear flesh. In some cases, and, and some are just designed to macerate. Yeah. So all they're doing is just grinding up things that are put into them. So we're not really designed to tear flesh. We're designed, you know, like teeth are macerators. Yeah. So you put something in and then there's a bit of, biting and chewing that can take place, but it's not like canines. Like yeah. in- but like with little kids, this is my, this is my experience, but little yeah. kids biting is that 
little kids don't know like what they're doing. They just, they're, they're feeling the world. Right? Out. Yeah. They're yeah. reactionary and they'll hit you and they'll kick and all kinds of stuff in a tantrum. And you can sort of negatively punish that away. And you can kind of go to like things that you would never do with the dog, but you can kind of ignore it and just show like, Hey, you can hit me. You're two. It ain't going to have any effect. Right. And they'll abandon that as a behavior pretty quickly because it doesn't have any effect. But if they bite you, <laughs> You are fucking reacting. Man, I got bitten by one of my nieces when she was little. She was just sitting on my lap one day and like I was talking to my mom and my sister and this was her daughter, my sister's daughter, which is my direct niece. She's sort of leaning up against my chest, didn't think anything of it. Next thing I'm feeling this searing pain in my chest yeah. and realized that she'd latched hold of me and like full bit me because she had like three little teeth Yeah, and every single one of those <laughs> teeth went directly yeah. into me. Yeah. You can't help but oh, give the massive reaction, which is in certain circumstances, like super reinforcing of the behavior. Yeah. I felt like I got branded by a hot yeah. iron. Yeah. Mm. You're right when you say that at some point in everybody in the industry is going to get bit. You're around long enough. At some point you're going to get bit in one way or another. I, I haven't got a limb on my body that hasn't got a hole from a doctor. Yeah. And you can take all the precautions in the world, but to be an effective trainer, it's going to happen at some point. And it can happen because you maybe became complacent in one way or another, or it can happen because, you know, you found yourself in a situation that had nothing to do with you. It's not your fault at all. You're at an event where a dog gets loose. There's a million reasons why it could happen. But Something that I've noticed of myself, like I haven't been bit badly in a long time. It's probably been maybe six or seven months since I've had a decent bite from a dog. It was yep. on the hand was the last one that I got. It was a dog that uh, cracked the shits with me playing tug and let go of the tug and bit my hand, like quite on purpose. Yep. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it was bad enough. It drew blood. There were holes, but you know, it was okay. But what I've noticed is now, I think I've been bitten enough times. Like I say, I've never been torn to shreds, but I've been bitten enough times that I sort of am not okay with it, but it doesn't damage me beyond the damage that it does. It doesn't have the same impact on you, kind of. But man, the first few fucked me up. Yeah. Like the first few do bit bites that I got from dogs, because I, I got a couple of doozies early days, makes you scared of dogs. And, yeah. and not necessarily like scared of dogs, but you definitely act, I, I shouldn't speak from others, I definitely acted weird around dogs because I was in my head because the first serious bite that I got from a real dog, I kind of didn't see it coming, you know? And so then it's in your head of like, well, I didn't see that one coming. Mm. How many others am I not going to see coming? And then you're prey. And then you then, like, especially if you're around powerful dogs, if you're worried about getting bit, that sort of transmits the energy to the dog of like, hey, you look like a person who's worried about getting bit. That might transform me into someone who's going to bite you, you know? Mm -hmm. And whether they will or won't, you're creating a really difficult situation. And so I think that it's one of the biggest occupational hazards that we have, not just beyond it happening in the moment, but then I think longevity in people's careers and people being able to be functional trainers after being bitten, I think it's one of the more difficult uh, things to come back from. Yeah. And not everybody does it. And I think that it certainly can have a lot to do with the severity of the bite, how badly you're bitten. You know, there's plenty of people who go, well, I'm not going to accept that risk anymore. It was so bad or, or it is bad enough that I can't you know, perform my tasks with dogs anymore. But I think as well, just the psychological effect of being bitten can really put you in a position where you're like, I don't think I want to continue down this path. And especially when it is something you don't see coming. Yep. Sometimes that can be mitigated with, you know, there's the video of, I think it's Zach George getting bitten. You've seen no, that, I haven't seen Yeah. That. And like- <laughs> It came from nowhere. Like the dog is clearly going to bite him. To anybody who knows the first thing about dogs, the dog clearly was going to bite him. 
So I think that sometimes for us, from the perspective of the person who's in the moment, you can be like, oh, there was no warning signs. And, and an observer would be like, there's a hundred warning signs. Mm. You just didn't see them. And that, you know, maybe is the case with many dogs that have bitten plenty of other people. I'm not picking on Zach George this time. I think as well, like that can be the really hard part about getting back into it. Once you've been bitten is regaining your confidence and regaining the sort of ability to be around dogs and take it more, I suppose, relax around them and not give the energy of like concern, which creates a situation where the dog thinks, hey, you look concerned over something. Like, why are you doing that? I think that that has a lot to do with people who have been bitten will be bitten more again because of the way that they act. We've got new neighbors at my place, right? And they've just moved here from overseas and the kids are terrified of dogs. And I end up being told that they had a bad experience with dogs. And I, I said to the the parents, I was like, okay, well, we've got kind of an issue because my dogs are like free roam this whole building. Yeah, My Malinois just hangs out in the garage and chases birds around in here. And like, he, he kind of does his own thing. He's super, he's nonchalant with people. He's no threat to your kids. But if your kids are screaming, running away from him, that's going to cause an issue. I can't imagine a circumstance where he would pursue that kid, but I also am not ever going to let that happen. You know, but what it I mean? might not be a pursuant in doing anything traumatizing like biting or anything. It might be just like just being what present. Are you, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, why are you doing this? If you're already traumatized, that can be ten times traumatizing. Yeah. To then turn around and see the very thing that I'm running from is actually pursuing. Yeah, that's right. And so yeah. they've never even seen Remy. I don't think they know he exists because I've kept them away from him. <laughs> yep. And we're doing the like desensitized counter condition with Valerie. <laughs> Right, who's the who's with kids is your Remy is sort of like indifferent. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to meet people. He has no interest in becoming friends with them. Valerie's the opposite. She's like, oh my God, human children, they're the best thing in the world. I want nothing more than for them to cuddle me. And so she's a good one. And they can be as scared of her. They can give off all of the freaking out signals and she will read that and attempt to, you know, mitigate that as herself. She's not going to kick into like, oh, maybe I should bite you, <laughs> right? She's that kind of dog. Mm. So we're working the desensitization counter conditioning on these kids. But also it's not my job to do that. I just am cognizant of the fact that they now live in a building where almost everybody has dogs and all the dogs get along and spend time together. If I interject there, it kind of is your job to do something about it because you are a neighbor. And No, that's right. So I'm doing so much as I can. You're as, mitigating risk. Yeah, yeah. And, and for two reasons. I don't want my dogs to cause a problem for that, those that's kids. That's what I mean. I don't it's, want it to become my problem. That's right. It's risk management. Yeah. And like when I say it's not my problem is, uh, I mean, they're not my kids. It's up to the it's his not about, parents. Yeah. It's yeah. not a matter of not being your kids, but you are a neighbor and the problem is, is the law will defer yeah. to you. So for sure, it is my responsibility to make sure that my dogs don't do anything to those kids. Yeah. That, and and I, I'm on board with that. I and know I, you are. And have done everything. So like my gate's locked now and the dog's not allowed down there until we do all this. But it isn't up to me to come up with a, a strategy to help their kids get over the dog. No, like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally ready and willing to help and we have been, but I'm not. You're it, not a psychologist. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I've got this. I've got the friendliest dog in the world here. They need to call Birdie. It'll be fine. Yeah. They're progressing. But it, it, yeah. it to me, 
when I found out how scared the kids were of dogs, I was like, oh, okay, that's the kind of scared. Cause I saw it with one of the other dogs in the building. It was like, that's the kind of scared that gets bit forever. And that you see these people and it's often the case that people who have been bitten one time will, and outside the industry people I'm talking about, like just random people will be bitten again many more times. And they will continue to have weird experiences with dogs because they are afraid of dogs. And you got to remember, I think one of the things that the average public really takes for granted is that dogs, while they're our pets and probably realistically they're opportunistic scavengers, they're predators as well. Absolutely. You know, and doesn't matter what species you are, when you give off prey vibes, you invite a predator to chase you. And I think that's one of the things that happens with people who get bitten just in the general public is that forever beyond that, they give off the vibes of, I should be running away from you. And the dog can feel that. Now, like, I'm not saying magically, it's not like they're seeing your aura, but there's a lot of signs. There's There's body language. Yeah. There's body language. There's odor. There's all the different things that a dog is going to read on and go, Hey, you look like you should be running away from me. That tells me that I should be chasing you. And you get dogs that act completely out of order because of the prompts given to them by a person who's afraid of them. We've all seen that. We've all seen people who are like afraid of dogs Mm. and then cause the problem with the dogs. And, And a lot of the times it's even like, I've seen it with people who are really afraid of dogs and a dog that is totally friendly, like it would never bite them. And you know, the type of dog that would, would die before it even defends itself. You see that a lot of that in cavoodles and stuff like that. Like the little soft little dogs that. Yeah. They just roll over and shut yeah, their belly. They don't even have the capacity to defend themselves. They're yeah. perfect little family pet. Even those dogs get drawn to people like that sometimes and they just want to jump on them. They're, They're like, just excited. They're just yeah. thinking this, 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 this is seems almost too good to be true. Yeah, this is a chasing game. Yeah. I'm for sure. Like, this is a game you. that I can actually win. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, people start screaming and panicking. Yep. And a lot of those little dogs have great nerves because, you know, they go everywhere. They're so safe. They get to yeah. be, yeah, you know, they're the kind of dog that goes to the bar with the person all the time. And then they're jumping all over this person who's screaming and panicking and they think it's the funniest thing ever. Of course. You, you're like, so it just becomes this mad cycle. You see that all the time. And I think that is what we as trainers are trying to sort of put that genie back in the bottle after you've been bitten. Because oh, yep. we know, oh, fuck, I don't feel good. And the dog can read that I don't feel good. And it's that like, oh, God, how do I get past this? And when, you know, I got bitten while I was still in the army, I got bitten pretty decently by a dog. And it was probably six weeks of me kind of acting weird around dogs. And I had to kind of self-select out of that. And Sam actually told me one time, he was like, hey, man, you like you shouldn't be here today. Because <laughs> I kind of turned up one time and was like clearly weird. Yep. And it was like, hey, you shouldn't be around these dogs. You're acting weird. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm fuck. I got bit. I'm scared. It's very unadjusting, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it is, it's, it is scared. Like people can, you know, like- you, you, you can, can toughen up, but the reality is- it, Yeah, it, we that, can say worried if well, it makes you feel better, but it's the same thing. It completely robs you of the ability to be in control and a belief that you could resolve that situation. And yeah. when you kind of realize, no, I can't, there was nothing I could do about that and I couldn't stop that sort of thing. Like it tears away at, at the power that you believe you had mm. and it kind of makes you mortal again. I think a lot of people, and I know I'm speaking from experience myself, is you have this concept of being and feeling godlike in in parts of your life where you're indestructible and nothing really can hurt you. And it's like the saying that Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. That's the one. 
Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And there's been so many times where, you know, I've just been involved in amateur boxing over the years and martial arts and stuff like that. Like I've seen so many people that have come into the ring and like literally just stepped out of the ropes and said, uh-uh, nope, that's not happening because they took their first punch in the mouth. Mm. Before that, there was smiles. They're standing there. They look like the Cheshire cat. They're prancing around. They're doing all the rocky moves and everything like that. And someone comes up and goes blip and it's not even hard but it completely robs them of their power. Now, there's different types of personalities. There's people who rise to that and think, oh, yeah, this looks like fun. You know, I want more of this. And there's other people who go, what the fuck just happened to me? And there's other people who just cancel out of it immediately. But dog biting, there's not anybody that I know who's been bitten by a dog and thought that was fun. Let's lean into this. Unless it's suit work and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, where it's very controlled and like it's on purpose. Biting. It's on purpose. It's very it's generally very safe. It can be a little uncomfortable at times, but it's very safe. As opposed to a dog that has, you know, in an uncontrolled situation bitten you, that really transforms people right there and then. Again, when I use that example before where Harley bit that guy in, in security, his soul left his body. I see a lot of that happen with people where they're just sitting there aghast, you know, like what the fuck happened? Sometimes there's a lot of screaming. Sometimes there's a lot of people are just sitting there in shock with their mouth open and their eyes just like dishpans, like they, they're totally diluted. They're in complete shock, complete denial about what just happened. As a coping mechanism, their brain just says, I'm going to switch you off. For yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's never always the same. Yeah. You remind me, I don't know if I've ever spoken about it on a podcast. Have I ever told you about a guy I knew a long time ago that was a debt collector? Not the like, hey, I'm going to ruin your credit rating, like the I'm coming around to get the money debt collector. Maybe, but rehash the story. I asked him about it. So he was a proper badass. I, yep. I knew him in the army and it was something he did you know, a lifetime ago. And I asked him about it. I was like, how do you do that? Because you can't be beating up everybody and like some other people can fight too. You don't know who you're dealing with. So he told me his go-to was he would go around in the house and as you open the door, he'd just jab you on the nose. And he goes, I got you then. Nine out of 10 people, like I own you because so few people have been hit in the face. He goes, not even hard, just enough that your your eyes will water. It won't even break your nose. Like Fight Club, right? Where they try to initiate getting people to start fighting. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, so he's like, most people freak out and crumble. And if they have the money, they give it to me. And I'm like, yeah, nine out of 10, what happens with the 10th? He goes, mate, I just try and get back to the car. I just try and escape mm. because if I, <laughs> if you're the kind of person that when I open the door and I jab you on the nose or you come forward at me, he goes, there's no fighting. Like I'm fucked. And, and he goes, you get those. And I, I abandon the idea. He goes, I'm not even trying to win the fight at that point. Like I am just trying to escape. I am just trying to get back to the car because if you're that kind of person, there's no winning the fight if you can handle that. And I always think about that guy whenever I think about like when dogs come at people, when people who have been bitten before or they've done some decoying or whatever, I've had dogs come at me and certain dogs, I'm like, hey, that's not going to fly. And the dog's like, oh, okay. And maybe they tag me or whatever, but it doesn't keep going. Mm. But then you get other people who are like, it only takes one and they crumble and the dog's like, ah, oh, gotcha. Right. Yeah. But even then I still think you meet your match, like with a proper working dog that's been trained to bite. I've been bitten by them, you know, tons in the suit. I've, accident, I've caught accidental hand bites that happens, you know, from time yeah, to time. Yeah, it happens, right? Yeah. 
But if somebody sends that kind of dog at me, I know I'm getting bit. You know, if it's a dog that's trained for it. Yeah, that, but, that's a dog that's Yeah, I might escape the dog one time, mm. but I'm getting bit. But it's unlikely that dog's going to kill me, right? Yeah. Like I am going to maybe lose a limb. I'm going to be in bad shape, but I probably, unless it like hits an artery or whatever and I bleed out, but it's unlikely that dog's going to kill me. It's the fucking random pet dogs that I'm yeah. afraid of, mate. I 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't know how to bite properly and they don't know how to fight. And so they're going to bite and take a piece off and then come back and, and do that over and over. And if they're really in the fight, like fight or flight for whatever reason that they've gone into that, they're the ones that are terrifying, especially when they're big, strong dogs. Yeah. Even if they're normally, you know, soft, nice, loving dogs, whatever puts them into that state. And you see that. This is what you see when people get killed by dogs. It's never a dog that's actually been trained to bite people. To my knowledge, in Australia anyway, for sure unaware of anybody that's actually been permanently and badly damaged or killed. Yeah, I'm unaware of it as well. Yeah, by a dog that was trained to do that. I, yeah. I don't know of that in the case. Because people, you know, you get most of those dogs are going to scare people away if there's an opportunity to do that. But then also if they bite them, they're going to end up with a decent bite. Like you would end up with from a police dog, you yep. know, like there's like you're going to end up with a good set of holes, but you're going to be okay. Yeah, it'll usually be in one limb. It won't be excessive and it won't be multiple bites. Yeah. It'll usually be in one place like a calf muscle, yeah. a, you know, forearm or something like that, yeah. or maybe even a bicep or, or a yeah. tricep or something. But but it's the people who get killed by dogs, to my knowledge, never by dogs who are trained to actually bite because that that's just not how you train dogs to to fight people. Mm. It's, a, it's an apprehension. It's to buy the handle of time. It's that kind of stuff. But a dog that is freaking out and has the power to keep reengaging – they're the scary dogs. Yeah, They're well, the ones you're that dealing are... with a drowning victim. Yeah. And that, that's the thing about anybody who's ever been in a situation where, God forbid, you're ever dealing with somebody who's legitimately drowning. Like, do not put yourself in a situation where you just dive in the water and think, I'm going to be a good Samaritan. Like, you'll be the next victim mm. because all you are to them is a way to get out of the water. Although it's going to be temporary, that person has got super strength. They have nothing to lose and they they're not conscious. They're not in their body at the time. And that same problem as you identified is the same thing that you can have happen with a dog that has no concept of how to bite, what to bite, how to do it, but they're just thinking, I'm getting pushed into a small place here. I don't like this. There's a lot of other dogs around me or there's people around me or I'm just in an area or I'm just feeling something that's I'm completely out of control in. Once the panic sets in, it cascades immediately. Mm. That's the real problem behind it. When you're in that panic state, you cannot fucking control what happens next. Mm. It's an out-of-body experience. It's not you. It's not your conscious brain in control anymore. Your amygdala hijacked immediately. So your amygdala is basically just saying, just get out of this situation anywhere you can think of. And if you believe that controlling the situation is for a dog, locking onto you and death rolling you, well, that's what the brain is thinking is this is working. Keep doing this. And that's the problem with those sort of situations, which kind of leads me on to another point that I, I did want to make is that I've seen some of the work that people are doing in dealing with dog bites and safe dog handling and so forth. Some of the courses that that people are putting their staff through are just shit house. Oh, really? I've got to be honest. They're I just, don't really have any visibility on that space. They're just terrible. They're people who have no experience. All they're basically doing is just reading off flashcards. They've mm. got no real life experience doing it. There are staff that I've trained, there's staff that Andrew have trained. We've got real-world experience with this. You've got real-world experience with this. We are people who have legitimately been bitten by dogs. 
who have coached people who have taught dogs to bite in lawful situations and sporting situations. We've done it for a living and we've done it for a, a hobby, but we've done it right. Like when we're talking about this, I don't want people to think, oh, we're just a couple of reckless cowboys who just teach dogs how to chase children and bite them. <laughs> you got to be careful what you say yeah, on the, yeah. like on any social media these days because people just love reading things out of context. But we've taught it for legitimate roles and reasons. But there are people who are delivering on courses. They're just terrible. I'm not creating a marketing funnel here where I'm saying, ring me up and book me in for your course. Yeah, we do it. There are things that we do. But if you are, because there's people in overseas who can't reach us anyway, but if you are getting somebody to come in and train your staff, and you should, if you're working in vet centers, daycare centers, boarding kennels, training clubs and so forth, if your staff aren't proficient and knowledgeable in how to work in those sort of situations, and be damned if they say they do and you just take them for credit. Make sure that you actually have people who legitimately have training in not only the management of a situation like that, but also the aftermath of how to actually apply first aid, look after that person, make sure that the situation has been selfly rectified and that person is getting treatment. It could be dog to dog, dog to person, whatever it is. But engage legitimately in people who know how to deal with this. Like that is the number one thing. Like when situations have arisen at work, majority of the time, because our staff keep getting training in it and have resources available to them all the time, by the time I'm involved in it, they've already wrapped the situation up. They're already dealing with it really well. And I'm super proud of them, as other people are in other industries where their staff have done really good jobs because they don't panic, they get in there, they address situations, they deal with it really well on a very timely manner. And unfortunately, this is going to be occupational. It's going to happen from time to time. As I said, dogs bite, horses kick, cat scratch. Mm. It's not that we want it to happen, but we have to practice as it's going to happen one day. When it does happen, we're prepared for it. We know what to do. We know how to intervene. We know how to remove situations. There's always going to be a problem dog or a couple of problem dogs, especially when we're in peak season and there's a lot, there's an influx of very new dogs coming into the boarding facilities. There's always going to be a problem, especially when we're trying to match dogs with other dogs. And some dogs just don't like certain people or they don't like anybody or they're afraid in that time. When staff have come out and said to me, can you help us address this situation? Now, a lot of times when I go in there, there isn't really a situation because the dog addresses me differently than some of those. So naturally, you're going to get that. Don't look at that as a point of intimidation and go, well, geez, aren't I a piece of shit? I just got schooled by my boss who just came down and made this situation look easy you do legitimately have an issue and you did the right thing by calling in somebody who has experience. Mm. I don't want my stuff and I don't want to lord over the top of them. I don't want them to feel foolish if they call me down. I don't even want them to delay with it. Like if they called me or they called Andrew or they called Verity or one of the trainers and said, hey man, can you step in and address this situation? You did exactly the right thing. That's what your training should mitigate. In risk management, you should say, there's a genuine risk here. Like, I don't like the way this dog is eye-fucking me. It's a situation I need somebody to come and address. Cats too. We're talking dogs, but cats can be even worse. We have cats in from time to time that we have to give daily medication to. They're very dangerous. (laughs) They're very dangerous. And you need to make sure that you've got somebody suitably skilled to be able to make sure that they can address that situation safely and not put the cat in huge amounts of distress. But I mean... If they don't do something to hold the cat down while they're administering that medication, it's going to turn into a ticking time bomb. Mm. The cat's going to escalate. And if you ever see 
any animal in a situation, especially, you know, in, in small enclosures and so forth, and they're just losing their mind and they are in that amygdala hijack mode, like they will do so much damage to themselves because they haven't been correctly restrained. Mm. They are completely reckless in their behavior and, and the aftermath of what they do. They can hurt themselves so badly, like a little bit of discomfort, you know, momentarily while you're addressing the situation compared to grievous bodily harm to themselves by hitting door handles, hitting corners of doors, upending beds, and all sorts of things can happen just from people not knowing how to correctly address the situation. And thankfully, when I'm talking about this, I don't want people to think, oh my God, this happens in the kennels at Glen's happening all the time. It doesn't. The reason it doesn't happen all the time is because my staff are good. Mm. They ask the right questions. We encourage them to seek training where they don't feel comfortable. I've had staff call me over Christmas saying, you know, I've been pinned in the kennels by a dog. Can you come around and get it out for me? I said, certainly, I'm on my way. I drop what I'm doing. I fly around there. I address the situation. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry, so sorry. That's the last thing I want to hear. You did your job. You did the right thing to do. Don't delay. Get on the phone. Call your supervisor. Get on the radio. Address the situation. Don't put yourself in a situation where you can't effectively handle it because you are afraid or unaware, or you don't have the right level of education, do something about it. Step up, make the time to call somebody who can appropriately deal with it with you. Hmm. Well, our goal was to just talk about dog bites and normalize it a little bit and let people know that it's just a thing that will happen. Hmm. I think we did that. I hope so. I just want people to feel comfortable with having the conversation, especially in their workplace. Dogs will forever bite people. Yeah. Horses will forever kick people and cats will forever scratch people. It's never not going to happen. People beat each other up here and there. That's always going to happen. There's always going to be wars. There's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be problems, but it's not main life. Like it doesn't happen on the regular all the time. I could go years and never see anything dramatic from a dog. And then you'll turn the corner and there'll be one. We could have peak season where we will have not one issue when we've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dogs and we'll have low season when there's 20 dogs in and there'll be an issue. Mm. You can never really predict it, but what you can do is prepare for it. Be aware, have the right level of training. Education is king these days. It's the one thing that you and I have been preaching to sometimes the converted, but also to the non-converted is if you're not educated, do something about that. Like you are in control and you have power to do something about that. If your workplace is not stepping up to it, remind them, like let them know that they have a duty of care to you and to the rest of your staff and even to themselves and to their dog and cat guests. Let's do something about this. Let's get professionals in to come and show us how to mitigate these risks, how to create a safe workplace, how to understand what risk management is in any of these situations so we can reduce the impact that happens to us and anybody else. Yeah. And I think the reason we're talking about this is to, in order to normalize it and to just have, you know, it happens, but you're in the industry long enough, it happens, it happens. and and to be prepared for it, yep. you know, like don't be caught by surprise, have your first aid gear ready. If you're an in-home behavior mod dog trainer and you go to people's houses you got to have in your car a decent amount of first aid gear just to even patch yourself up a little bit. Like I've just got one that it looks like a trauma yeah. kit. You know, we had one when we're doing training with students. I have one in the back of my car all yeah. the time. 
if someone gets bitten by a dog in the dog industry, we certainly take a lot of measures to prevent that, but it's a thing that happens. It, it is. It's a normal thing and we never want it to happen, but it's a thing that can happen and you just got to be aware of Have it. Have you had a car accident before? Yeah. How many? Real one, one where I actually hit someone else. Yep. That's probably it. And how long have you been driving for? 23 years. Yeah. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of yeah, when. Yeah, for sure. There's a saying in the motorcycling industry, I know I've, I've cycled this out before, but there is a saying that says it's not a matter of if you come off, it's a matter of when you come off. And yeah. that's why I'm overstating that statement time and time again. That sits in the back of my mind every fucking time I get on my motorbike. Yeah. Every time that I'm going down the road and and I'm worried about what's going to be around the next corner when I'm there. Because I don't know if a, a car stopped in the road when you're in a blind corner and you're coming around and you're sideways, or I don't know if there's gravel across the road, or I don't know if there's water across the road. Like we had some pretty heavy rains around Christmas time and I went up Burrell Water Road and it's like a goat track. I went to come sailing around the corner and there was a car in front of me and I'm thinking to myself, man, this fucking car in front of me, being a slow ass driver and being a pain in the ass. Thank God. It was almost like my guardian protected me because as I came around the road, the road was literally covered in slippery water and even my tire slipped when I went through it. But because I was going at a slow pace, it was no harm, no foul. If that car wasn't there, I would have been probably on my side. Brown bread. Not brown bread. I don't think it would be that difficult, but it was certainly something that was in the back of my mind, like this mm. could have happened. All right. That's it. That's it. Another episode of the Canon Paradigm. Bit different. Yeah. Bit of a different tempo. Just talking dog bites. Talking dog putting bites. Putting that into the ether. Yeah. All right. That's it. <laughs> Another episode of the Counter Paradise. As always, if you like what you hear, just like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that through whatever subscription service you download us from. Then go to another one, do it there. Yeah. If you want to support the show, best way to do that is to tell a friend, to be honest. Best way to support the show is to get more people listening to it. Yeah. Pumps up our numbers, makes us feel good, hits us with those vanity metrics. <laughs> we talk about this at the end of the wind up every episode we ever do, but if there is something specific that you guys want us to address, mm. if it's business related in the dog industry or dog industry business related, for sure, let us know. Yeah. Sometimes we're sitting here thinking about what sort of content should we talk about? And if there's something that we're inspired by conversations that you guys are having in a discussion group, or if there's enough of you who think, hey, nobody's really addressing this. Why don't you guys talk about yeah. it? Or why don't you talk to this person? We're happy to do it. On that, our 300th episode is coming up. Uh, yes. Definitely open to advice on something cool that we can do for our 300th episode. Yep. Ideally, it would be done in Apple Vision Pros, but- <laughs> It doesn't look like we're going to get yeah. them. We seem to have been missed from the Apple Christmas card list. If we've got any like sugar mamas- It's not even that. money. There was the lady who was going to try and get them for us, but they, they were ungettable. Anyway. Boo -boo. All right. Yeah. Yes, okay. the 300 episode. Yeah, 300 episode. What do you want? What do you want us to do? If you guys want to buy some first class tickets to Europe or somewhere like that, we can go <laughs> over and. That's outrageous. <laughs> but we should do something cool. Or we should definitely do something to yeah, celebrate yeah, that. Yeah. And we'll figure that suggestions, out. Suggestions. But yeah, we're definitely like open to your suggestions. But PM us. Like if it's a great idea, we want to do it as a surprise, not have everyone see it and then go, oh, they've yeah, done Yeah, they've done the thing that they said yeah, they're going to do. Yeah, I'd love to select something as a surprise and then surprise everyone for episode 300. Yeah. Another way to support that is to jump into Patreon. Patreon, for a few bucks a month, you get this giant backlog of information as well as new stuff going forward. Thank you to people who have been. Yeah. We've been a bit light on Patreon for a while and I was thinking, oh, my God, there's some pretty outrageous bills coming up. and. <laughs> Suddenly we got a bit more of a cloud in Patreon. So thanks to those who did. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank I, you. 
I'm always working on stuff for Patreon, trying to think about things that can go into there. I'm about to start a new series of seminars and events that, of course, I will film, and there'll be pieces of that going into yeah, the nice. Patreon, as well as I go live in there every month and answer your questions. So that's always available. You're very generous with your time in Patreon. I appreciate the patrons, mate. I really, truly think that it's incredible that people support us in that way. I agree. I have a video that I've made and is going to go into Patreon to everybody next week, sort of explaining all that to them and thanking everybody for their support and stuff. So for you guys, that's going to come out next week. You'll see it. Spring, you get cool merch. You could buy some t-shirts, socks, underpants, that kind of stuff. And if you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do that is jump into the Facebook discussion group. There's constantly good information going into there. It's where I'm not super active on Facebook, but when I do get on Facebook, that is where I look and I just sort of see what's going on in the zeitgeist of the dog world in there. As much as possible, I want to try and stay more up to date with what's going on and, you know, stay as connected with people as possible. And that group there is the place to do it. There's always really cool conversations happening in there. And just tag us in it. If there's something specific that you want one of us or both of us to know, tag on Yeah, tag us for sure. Yep. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can shoot us an email. We are info at thecanineparadigm.com. Love you. Goodbye. (laughs) 